Welcome to Living Water Radio. Do we live in a civilized country? We're going to consider that today, and we hope to give you some tools to help you make the world better for everybody by being a contributor to a more civil society. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I've worked in a variety of blue-collar summer jobs, served in the Marine Corps, played drums and jazz bands, and was a competitive master swimmer. After college in Minnesota and a seminary in Berkeley, I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Margaret Mead, the distinguished anthropologist, was once asked what she thought was the first sign of human civilization in a given society. She answered, the first evidence of civilization is a healed femur. That's your thigh bone. That means that someone had to set the bone and provide security, food, and water for them while they healed, all at personal expense to themselves. Prior to that, if you broke a femur, you died. Civilization begins when we put the need of others ahead of our own. That is a very Christian concept, perhaps at the beating heart of what it means to be a Christian. It is rooted in the central event of the Christian faith. Paul writes in his letter to the church at Rome, the fifth chapter, starting at the sixth verse, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. But the origin of that behavior goes back even further to our relationship with the one true living God at the very beginning to Adam and Eve and their little family. Adam and Eve had been expelled from the perfect place God had prepared for them because they had rejected the perfect relationship with God and all of creation that God had given them. They had brought sin into the world. That sin showed up in the next generation between their sons Cain and Abel, in this passage from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, 
Your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Why was Cain's gift rejected? Was it because it was not a blood offering, the kind that ended with Jesus Christ? No. Did he ignore some previous instruction that we don't know? Possibly. Was it of poor quality? Maybe. Was it the wrong motivation? Probably, at least in part. In Paul's letter to the Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the fourth verse, we read, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's, though through this he received approval as righteous. God himself giving approval to his gifts, he died, but through his faith he still speaks. We see Cain's bad character in Genesis, and we do not see his faith, the faith that would otherwise motivate that character. This passage in Hebrews gives us insight into Cain as, again, the Bible interprets the Bible. We are all created for a living relationship with the living God. Cain seems to have rejected this, and that's why he was able to murder his brother. Offerings did not save either Cain or Abel. That is, offerings did not restore a living relationship with the living God for either Cain or Abel. Faith is what made Abel's offering acceptable, and the lack of it made Cain's offering unacceptable. You can't buy God. When Cain asks, seemingly rhetorically, am I my brother's keeper? The answer, evidenced in God's response, is a resounding yes. Not because we have to, but because care for others, even sacrificial care for others, is part of our spiritual DNA. It is who we are. It is as natural for us as it is for an apple tree to bear apples. I've said before, but I'll say it again, when Mother Teresa was asked what she thought was the world's biggest problem, she said that the world's biggest problem is that we don't define family broadly enough. Suppose the police officers who killed George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Eric Gardner, and others saw them as family, their brothers and sisters. Would they have acted differently? Suppose the assassin who shot two L.A. sheriff's deputies as they sat in their car in Compton last Saturday saw them as family, as a brother and a sister. Would the assassin have acted differently? Suppose people saw each other as being sons and daughters of the living God, whose common relationship with that God as our parent makes them brothers and sisters, one of another. Would we be more civil toward one another? I saw these several years ago. They're called the Toddler's Rules for Property Ownership. Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Six, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Seven, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. Eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Nine, if you are playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. Ten, if it's broken, it's yours. Some of us never mature much beyond these rules. They are totally self-centered. It's been said that growing old is required, growing up is optional. 
That's especially true with regard to the values that exist beneath our behavior. We are naturally inclined to be turned in upon ourselves, and there is very little in our culture that encourages anything else. Social media like Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram reinforce this self-centeredness. They have brought community to many people, but not civilization. They make it possible to easily develop communities of people that are only just like ourselves, but not civil behavior. In many ways, they are civilization's opposite. The informative media has brought fear into our homes. Crime is down, but fear of crime is up. We learn to fear others, not to love them. The materialism that values things as objects of my own fulfillment and not as means for ministry entrap us in a system that values us mainly as consumers. There are very few places today that society will teach us how to think and to learn, much less the humility that that requires. We are increasingly being taught what to think. That's not education. That's indoctrination. How do we learn to think critically and still love one another? From the same faith that Paul commends as the basis for Abel's offering. It comes from outside of ourselves. It comes from the living God who calls us to a scale of values that transcends this world and its childish and selfish lives. It moves us to offer our hearts to the living waters that are the living God who calls and forms us to love. Paul writes in his letter to the church at Ephesus in chapter 4, the beginning at the first verse, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We make civilization when we put the needs of others ahead of our own. That is, when we love one another with the same sacrificial love with which God loves us. That selfless love can only come from God. It is the only basis for civilization and our greatest contribution to making and maintaining a civil society. Today, let's remember to pray that we may be God's instruments to do God's will in all things. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet at, at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. 
Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.